Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. I'm John. In text. And we're here to expand your mind, blow your mind, melt your face, do anything we can, especially with these epic questions that keep hitting our podcast uh, hotline. So we got this hotline that's out there. We ask you, the listener, to listen. If you're following Power Athlete Training Programs, you're following our nutrition, maybe our education, you got a question, shoot it in. Shoot it into the hotline. We're easy to find. 929-464-464. Zero. 929-ing-ing. Zero. Yeah. We're easy to find. So you got questions, we got answers, and we'd love to do these special segments of Power Athlete Radio where we take your questions and we answer them. And I think we have a pretty good one today. We have a very special one. At this moment in time, it is Texas Independence Day Mm. and the birthday of the Great White Buffalo, John. Ah. In 2018, we took a little trip. We did. Out to New Mexico. Was it this month? Yep. The when we got it running. When we got it running. Oh, yeah. So it is. it was a stars aligned on Texas Independence Day. But John's pal found I was in need of a vehicle. Yes. I had a little accident. Yeah. Totaling text. my <laughs> ten, uh, 2003 Toyota Didn't a Corolla. deer hit you? Well, I had a, let's just quickly tell that story. I had a rough week. I was going 60 miles an hour down a highway and a deer completely uh, sideswiped me, ran into the side. It's called a T-bone. T-boned. But I kept on going 60. Like if I was going 59 miles an hour, I would have hit that deer head on. Yeah. Um, and then the, within the same week, a, I was exiting, I was entering the highway and a tanker, this is capital. Like tapped it, uh, like a, um, well, it's a, uh, well, in Houston, tractor trailer, but uh, yeah. the guy was uh, pulling a big tank. Pulling a big tank. In Houston, we have these feeder roads that go on the highways. In Austin, it's just everybody on, everybody yeah. off. And so he was exiting. I was coming on, and then it just scraped the whole deer side yep. off of the 2003 Toyota Corolla. I was in need of a vehicle, and John put up the bat signal for a little man named at Born for Adventure. Yeah. So my buddy Garrett, if you guys follow Instagram, has a handle called Born for Adventure. And Garrett's deal is he travels all over the country searching and finding and mining these epic, uh, usually always Chevys, but not always 100% Chevys, but usually square bodies, OBSs, and, you know, trucks from the 70s, 80s, and 90s for Chevrolets. Mm-hmm. And he found something nice yeah, in he, the deserts of Roswell, New Mexico. So he had a buddy who had a stash of CUCVs, which are military square bodies. Now, you know, 6.2 diesel, turbo 400, MP208s, single cab, one ton trucks. Uh, he, the guy had a stash of them and he just so happened to have uh, a pretty clean one mm-hmm. that we were able to work a deal and purchase. But we had to drive out to Roswell to go out and, and recover it. So we packed up Mr. McQuilkin, myself, and then we brought... DJ, a.k.a. the squirrel, the square body CUCV military wiring master who um, I've been on many scores with DJ where a truck wouldn't run. Hey, the truck's broken. You know, this is wrong. And DJ goes over. We cut a deal and he starts okay. it within like 10 seconds. Like, you yeah. remember the guy's like, hey, DJ, like had it already running before the guy even came over. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, cash was handed over. Title was in hand. And then we got to run it. Yeah. You, you never get it running before you, get, you make a deal. <laughs> this thing's broken. There's no, nobody's going to be able to fix this piece of shit. And it was in the trip happened all in one swing. Uh, I 
I went to a concert before, so I just showed up at John's <laughs> doorstep when the bar shut down. Yeah. Uh, and we took off about 3 a.m., swung all the way through Texas into Roswell, New Mexico, secured it, and then drove home all in one shot. Yeah, we were kicking ass on the way out there. And then on the way home, it felt like it took us like twice as long to get home. I don't know. It, say the trip was 24 hours. I was asleep for about 12 of it. Yeah, it was so. good. It was a good, uh, good strike. Um, I'm telling you, my uh, LBZ Duramax has been on many a strike. Yes. And that truck has been absolutely bulletproof. So I, uh, I cannot speak more highly about that vehicle. I would say we got lucky. But, John, you would say there's skill involved in finding a piece like the Great White Buffalo. Yeah. So where would one begin? Well, why don't, let start, me, yeah, why don't you start by reading the question or the, the text? This is from area code 8. Five nine. You recognize mm, that one? Yeah. Where is eight five nine? That's not Atlanta, is it? I'll no, check. Six seven eight Atlanta. Eight five nine. I feel like is down in that neck of the woods. I'll look it up in one second. But here we go. Love all the work you do, but I feel what people really need is a power athlete cheap truck buying guide. Every power athlete needs a ride to match their weight banging, meat eating, face punching lifestyle. Where do we begin? Ah, oh, man. If Power Athlete were to write the Power Athlete Truck Buyer's Guide to Acquiring Piece of Shit Trucks, I think we have a PhD in that. Uh, we have acquired more interesting vehicles in, let's say, the last 10 years than probably, I mean, just about anybody other than maybe Born for Adventure and some other guys out there. For me personally, uh, my very first car was a Ford Bronco. Um, so I've, I've had a number of Ford Broncos. I would say that any Ford Bronco from 1966 up to 1992 or sorry, 1996, which was the last year. So you have different body styles. You have like the small early Broncos, which were 66 through 77 and then 78 and 79. They made these big Broncos that had straight axles in them that were super cool. And those big Broncos I've never owned, but I'm always keeping a lookout for them. Then they went to the third generation, which was in 80 through 91. And those were pretty cool. They had some styling changes over the years. And then the big change came in 92. And then that Bronco from 92 to 96 are still pretty coveted. Um, I actually had a 92 Bronco black gray interior and I love that truck. I sold it in a moment of weakness because I didn't have anywhere to park it. I was living down at the beach. I had a garage spot. I like didn't have parking for it. It was parked at a buddy's uh, storage place. He was giving me shit about it. And I sold it on a whim for like $5,000. And that truck would probably be worth like 25 today. So um, I, for me personally, um, I've always been a Bronco fan, but I'm not a Ford fan. I don't own Ford vehicles other than Broncos. So, uh, so help me explain, like, why uh, are they different? Uh, was it a different dude in charge? No, uh, I just think that for the most part, uh, you kind of fall into two camps. You're either kind of a Ford or a Chevy guy. Uh, I started out as, uh, you know, purchasing a Ford cause I always loved Broncos. Um, and then after I drove that Bronco well into my NFL career, and then my first truck that I bought was a Duramax. So John Runyon, who was one of my teammates in Philly's dad worked for GM. He always drove a Duramax. So I bought an 03 Duramax and then I drove that truck, traded it in for my 06 Duramax that I've had that LBZ for the last 15 years is my daily. And, uh, recently got upgraded with a 2021 L5P Duramax, which was pretty amazing. So it's pretty cool that, um, you know, I was able to basically drive my 06 Duramax for 15 years and then get into a really nice 2021. And the joke I make is, uh, 
iPhone one came out after my truck was built. I came in in 07. And now here we are all these years later in like this 2021, um, you know, uh, GMC 3500 AT4 L5P, which is the designation for the Duramax motor is fucking amazing. It's got a 10 speed transmission. Things incredible. Um, and heated seats. And heated seats, heating steering wheel. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty nice. But like when you start talking about what kind of vehicles you're looking for, for me personally, it all starts with the square body. So, uh, you know, I own, if, if you've been here to Power Athlete Ranch, we have a 46 International KB3 sitting at the front that I pulled out of some old farmer's, you know, yard and down near San Antonio. And that's kind of a ranch truck. Mm-hmm. I also have a 49 REO Speedwagon. Um, that's a, what's your plan for that? Is that DX 19 a, which is super rare. They made like 200 of those in 48 and 49. So super rare truck. I also have here, I have a 69, um, 69 K five blazer, which was the first year of the K five blazer that I pulled out of some wrecking yard in Arizona years ago for 2,500 bucks. Uh, that's super rare. Cause they made just a handful of 69 Broncos that first year. So that's going to be, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Blazer. So for me, uh, the, those early blazers that start in 66 or sorry, 69, 70, 71, 72 are like gold. Those trucks are really valuable. And then when you start getting into square bodies, you start talking about what I consider a square body being a 73 through 80, which is those early square bodies with the vertical, uh, side markers. And then in 81, you get to the horizontal side markers, which is the one like you have, which is kind of the second generation with the different fenders and the square bodies, like what you've seen between my 79 truck and your truck, for example. Mm -hmm. So that 81 through 87, but then in 88, 89, 90 and 91, they still made Suburbans, K30s and Blazers in that old body style. But then they moved all the other trucks to what's known as OBSs, other body style, older body style, which are pretty cool. And those are the trucks that I remember in high school that all the kids got were OBSs. So it was oh, pretty neat. Yeah. Those are my high school football coaches trucks. Yeah. Yeah. And what's, can you explain this? This I found almost fascinating. Like the generation of truck buyer goes after what their, their father drove. And I thought that yeah, connection. So, so there's an interesting thing with money tied to the value of cars. Yeah. So especially yeah. with trucks. So if you were born in like 19, like the late fifties, early sixties, those late fifties, early sixties pickup trucks are gold because that's what your dad drive. That's what you remember riding around as a little kid. So there's nostalgia for me. Um, you know, being when I was born, um, you know, in the, in, you know, mid to late seventies, I remember square bodies. My dad had a square body suburban. That was the first car I drove or no, it wasn't the first car I drove. It was what I took my driving test in when I first drove to high school when I got a license. And so getting into a square body for me is like going back in time. Yeah. And I remember driving that. I went with my dad to get it. Uh, and then he traded it in and got an OBS suburban and we drove the shit out of that. And then, you know, we've always owned a suburban ever since then. Um, And I think there's nostalgia tied to it. So what happened was about 10, 12 years ago, all of a sudden the sixties Chevy trucks, like all those, like, you know, 66, 67, 68, 69, all those trucks into the seventies, those were really high dollar. And now all of a sudden you're seeing the guys that now like my age who have, you know, little money in their pocket, all of a sudden want square bodies. You could go and pick up a K 30, you know, one ton axle square body for, you know, 1500 bucks because people didn't want them. Now those trucks, even in wrecked condition are worth seven, eight, nine, $10,000. Um, the days of actually finding a square body for a good deal are over. 
you're about 10 years too late on that one. I mean, so we bought yours, what, in 2017? Uh, was, yeah, lined up in 17, pick up in 18. Yeah. yeah, so we lined it up. I mean, that was kind of the end. And we got that through a deal of a friend of a friend that had cut something. So on the market now, your From truck. From like a 13-year-old kid alone on a ranch. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, the, your truck today is probably worth $10,000. Oh, well, uh, I'm going to get rid of it. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's sorry, good, caller. You're out of luck, brother. Yeah, it's a good appreciation. So what you want to look for, and this is kind of, uh, you know, if you can get into a square body, I always buy one ton trucks. The reason being is it came one. Well, one, I don't buy two wheel drive trucks. So when I say one ton, I mean, K30, one ton, uh, crew cabs. I have an extra cab, which is super rare, which they, you know, maybe made less than a thousand extra, uh, extra cabs. So I got an extra cab square body. Um, and then single cabs. And the reason we like those K30s is one, they're thicker frames, they're bigger frames, and they come with the Dana 60 axles, which are dramatically stronger than the Dana 44s or the 10 bolts on the half ton trucks. So those trucks are actually built indestructible. So uh, if you were to try to run 37 inch tires on a Dana 44 or a 10 bolt, you know, if you hit a pothole or went over a big uh, speed bump, they'd explode. So one ton parts, bigger parts, bigger, thicker axles, 30, 35 spline shafts. I mean, that's the end of the day and that's all we buy. So I don't really waste my money on half ton, three quarter ton stuff. I only buy one ton stuff. And that's just because it's heavier duty or parts and things I don't have to replace as often. Um, but we've also been in this game a long time. I can't imagine now trying to come in and, you know, buy a set of one ton axles. I mean, people are selling pullouts for 2,500 bucks. So if you're looking for a one ton truck, you know, you're really looking at that, um, at, at this stage, do you feel the caller from Lexington, Kentucky, I looked it up, you think he's looking for functionality or just a whip? Uh, it takes a rare individual to daily drive a 30-year-old truck. Mr. McQuilkin, I'd give tip my hat to you that you cruise around in a 6.2 diesel, non-aspirated, well, single cab, no AC, no defrost, roll down windows, manual door locks. For context, my first vehicle was my dad's hand-me-down, a 1984 Mercedes Turbo Diesel 300D. So, so, so diesel flows through your veins. It's a bit of nostalgia, but also at the same time, my AC was out in high school, but that was the best car option I had. <laughs> you got to roll the window so down. suffering is, it's fine. Everything's fine. Well, and, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, uh, the storm hits, all these problems, your truck's still going to run. Exactly. It like fires right up and people are like, you're just still motoring and people are like spinning out and you're like, what are you talking about? My truck weighs 7,000 pounds, has four wheel drive and lockers. I'll be fine. Well, yeah. When it all goes down, I just need to drive that thing 10 miles to get to the, the ranch Yeah, and then set up on my 12 hour shift. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, so, um, I think if you're trying to get into the square body game, uh, definitely look for K 31 ton trucks. Don't, don't waste your time with half ton or three ton, three quarter ton trucks. Is, are they, if they look in the middle of the country, are they going to find something better? Like, uh, yeah, but the problem is in the middle of the country, you also have to look at the salt belt. So oh, there's, that was my next question. Yeah, there, there's certain places that people love to buy trucks from California, Arizona, New Mexico, which is real dry. So the fact that your truck was in New Mexico is a good thing. Texas is a little more interesting just because I've seen more rust out here than I would have expected. But, um, you know, like for example, my Duramax is 15 years old and got 215,000 miles and I don't have a speck of rust on my truck. Uh, there's guys all the time that are selling their trucks that are like, you know, all the cab, you know, the rockers have been replaced, the bottom of the doors, because we just don't have salt, you know, they, you know, and even if there is snow, which has happened what twice, uh, they don't have salt. They just kind of put gravel on the road. So that salt is what becomes very, very corrosive on those trucks. So 
if you ideally would love to look for trucks in Southern California, Northern California, uh, Vegas, uh, upstate Arizona, uh, you know, down into Tucson, Phoenix, that area, then out to New Mexico where we were at in Roswell and that whole area, Albuquerque. There's some pretty nice trucks in there. When you start going a little farther north and you get into like Colorado and really up into there, that's when you get into that salt barrier and all of a sudden you'll see trucks that are pretty rusty and guys are still asking top dollar for them, but I wouldn't pay for it because the only thing I hate more than half ton trucks and two wheel drive trucks is rusty trucks. Where so what is what should they look for? So they just get down on the ground, get underneath, open up the hood, the doors. Where do they look? Yeah, you got to get underneath. Um, and if the you know if it's in mud, you got to get them put it on concrete. You got to get underneath. And there's some really interesting ways. I've been fooled before uh, on my K30 truck. They had fiberglassed and painted over, and then they had uh, riveted sheet metal in. So when I bon- I you know smacked on the floorboards, it sounded like metal. When I looked underneath, everything looked fine. It wasn't until I actually got into the truck you know, took it apart after I bought it, but I didn't pay very much for it. So I really wasn't that upset. I would think if you're looking for a truck that's going to be valuable, that you can still get pretty cheap. And these actually, these trucks are ascending in value as we speak. Look for those OBS, which would be 88 through 98 Uh Chevy trucks. So those trucks People are starting to ask stupid money for well, it. It's, that's going to be my generation. Yes, but but you can still score those for pretty cheap. Now, what I look for is I always look for at least so because they actually went to independent front suspension and they don't have straight axles anymore. All of a sudden, now I can look at a three quarter ton or maybe a, a one ton truck. But and what's cool is they have extra cab short beds, and I think they have more variety now. But you just got to look for you know what's out there. But I would look for. Yeah, well, the body set would be 88 through 98, but I would only buy one 94 and later because the 94 was the first year of the NV4500 manual transmission. So I personally only like to buy manual transmission trucks unless it's a CUCV, which all came with turbo 400s. But I will not buy a turbo 400 or an automatic truck just because uh, I don't really like principle. automatic transmission. Yeah, it's just purely <laughs> off of principle. So 1994 or sorry, 93 was the first year of the NV4500. Uh, but they had them in 93, 94, 95 was kind of an oddball year. 96 is actually pretty good because in 96 and later NV 4,500, which will bolt up to any Chevy engine block will also bolt up to any Cummins. Hmm. So if you wanted to come and swap a truck, you would need a 96 and later Chevy transmission. Little known fact. So what I personally look for is a six, five diesel NV 4,500 manual transmission, one ton pickup truck. Now, you can get them in crew cabs, uh, long beds, short beds. You can get them in extra cabs. And you can also get them in single cabs. I think that those trucks are going to have the most value. What about the uh, the OBS bourbons? I love them. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big... So, for the OBS bourbons, uh, they made a three-quarter ton Suburban, which is cool. Heavier parts. Um, they came with 454 motors, which was a 7.4 liter, which are absolute fucking gas hogs. Um, well, but, this, but they, this is every Houston, Texas mom's like whip in the 90s <laughs> with something that got three miles to the gallon oh yeah so uh i love the square body suburbans i mean we had one uh ours was a it, it was an automatic but it was a 350 truck so it was a small block and the thing actually did great it pulled four-wheel drive thing was really pretty nice i still regret i remember when my dad came home with it i'll say my dad was not as savvy a car a truck guy because my dad was never a truck guy he was always a car guy 
Um, but I remember when he he traded in our square body because the manager down at the GMC dealer told him, hey, this truck's getting old. You should think about getting it. And the reason being is the fleet manager wanted that truck. Sounds about right. Because I think my, my dad's truck was was cherry. And he sold that Suburban and came home. And I remember seeing it and being like, you sold the Suburban and we got this thing. I'm like, this thing was uh, our old Suburban was straight axle. That thing was so nice. It was so clean. Um, and I, yeah, I regretted him selling that truck. All right. Final piece here. Share with the listeners at this moment in time, the projects you got rocking and rolling in the shop, uh, in the shop for truck wise, truck, yeah, wise. Tr- truck wise. So I got two crew cabs in the shop as we speak. Uh, one of them is a 1979. Well, actually they're both 1979, um, K30 crew cabs. One of them is all original. Um, it's painted the original, uh, dark carmine red and white. Um, ended up beautifully doing, done. Yeah. It way. came out really nice. Um, basically did a Duramax swap. So put an LMM, which is out of a 2009 Duramax Allison transmission NP 271 out of a Ford truck, put that drivetrain in that, uh, 79 K 30. So just buttoned up a whole bunch of stuff, got the crew or got the cross members all built. Cause people don't build cross members for it. Everything's ready to go. I'm just waiting on an intercooler and a radiator so I can adjust the uh, core support and build, um, you know, spacing and basically fabricate in for the intercooler because the Duramax is a diesel motor, but it's also a turbo motor. So it needs some form of intercool to cool the, the stuff. So I got a fab. I did know that. Yeah. So I got that. Uh, that's a bitching truck. It's got a front end out of a 79, uh, Ford F three fifty, which is, was a pretty rare truck in, in seven, 78 and 79 Dana who'd make the axles made Ford and axle with a pumpkin on the driver's side opposed from GM who put it on the passenger side. Uh, but that two year axle has the same spacing of where the pumpkin is in relation to the knuckles. So I can take that as a straight swap in for your truck. Mm-hmm. Anything later than, um, you know, and then into the mid nineties, all of a sudden the pumpkin was much farther to the side. So you can't run leaf springs on it. Wow. Why did they, it was just kind of an oddball. It was called the snow fighter. And, uh, it was kind of like this urban legend, like, Hey, there's a shed a Ford Dana 60 that you can move the pumpkin to the other side, which is cool because by putting the pumpkin on the driver's side, it frees up your exhaust for a turbo. So where the turbo usually sits is on the passenger and the big downpipe comes in and it, that becomes a lot of Jenga because if your pumpkin is on that side, also my transfer case is on that side. So now I got a, uh, transfer case in the where of the exhaust is going. And then you got to play Django with your exhaust. So by pushing everything on the left side, now that frees the right side up to basically do anything with the exhaust. And it's a lot easier in terms of fitment. So I scored that out of a wrecking yard in like Yukaipa years ago. I saw a listing for it, jumped in the truck, went and got it. Uh, it was in the back of this guy's like fucking wrecking yard. And the funny part was he had no way of, uh, getting the axle to my truck. So I hooked up a toe strap and I fucking drug a Dana 60, probably like 400 yards through this dude's shitty ass thing. And they must weigh four or 500 pounds. So I'm just fucking sweating, driving, pulling this thing. Like it was like 30 minutes of fist fight. And then I get it there and the guy's got no way to like help me get it in the truck. So like I go get it. He's sure shitty. Yeah. He was a fucking asshole. Uh, so I go find a cherry picker that I'd passed cherry picked up one side, kind of got it into the tailgate, then got the cherry picker, got it in, slid it in, paid him his money, took it home, took it all apart. And I've just been waiting for a project to use it. 
So I'm, I'm running it in that 79 truck with a really bitchin' set of leaf springs from Alcan that came from off-road design. It's got crossover steering, PCS steering, so it'll have it'll have a hydro assist. Um, obviously, that Duramax is going to make a ton of horsepower. I'm running 456 gears, so I got a locker in the front, Detroit locker in the rear, 14 bolt in the rear, and uh, I ended up doing a suburban gas tank. So I got a 40 gallon gas tank in the back uh, between the frame rails, you know, from the back to the axle. So it's going to have plenty of fuel and, um, got an interior, you know, all the original interior parts and everything. I mean, I took, took apart a really clean, uh, you know, fucking finished truck for it. So I have all the interior parts. So I just got to put it all back together. So, um, unfortunately the, uh, M28 dually truck with the service bed that we have, um, I have a buyer for it, but it won't pass inspection. So I spent all day Sunday basically just putting a bunch of lights and doing a bunch of BS to it just so it'll pass inspection. So that, but, um, I've been working on that. And then I got another K30 that I chopped 24 inches out of the rear and actually pulled the axle forward. And I'm working on that in terms of making that a, uh, uh like a rock crawler. So I got, um, coilovers and that's going to be four linked front and rear. And then I got, um, I'll have my buddy come in and do a bitching cage and help me out with all that fab work. Tube doors? No, I'm, not, I'm never doing tube doors again. What? Right? It's so, so awesome. Yeah, it looks awesome. Other than when you live in the dustiest place on the planet, and every time you get into your car, there's dust in your ignition and dust in every single crevice in that car. And like, dude, there was Fair dust enough. in my fuse boxes. Like the amount of times I got in that truck and something wasn't firing because uh, it was just covered in dust made me realize I never want a convertible and I never want tube doors in Texas. But... Uh, it would be great if we had more than one day a week to work on the trucks because I'd get things done a lot faster. But unfortunately, at this time, especially with kids, uh, like my kids are in basketball, soccer, whatever. So usually all day Saturday is spent shuttling around, taking them horse riding, uh, you know, shows the whole deal. And then Sunday I get up and I bang in the shop all day Sunday. So and I got to fabricate some stairs here in the office. And I also, I think during spring break, you're asking me if uh, I'm going to be here. I will, but I think I'm taking the week off and I'm going to excavate the creek. Oh, shit. So I'm going to go, I I reached out, I'm going to go get a skid steer, a little track loader, and I'm going to start going through. I think I'm going to try to suck CJ in, uh, you know, one of our buddies (laughs) who's over in Bastrop to come help. But if he can't, I'm just going to go cowboy that thing and start cleaning it out. But uh, if you are looking for some form of old American iron, I would take a look at some of those uh, 70s Ford trucks. I really like those dent sides. Anything a little bit later. If you're looking for, if you're a Ford guy, look for a 7.3 diesel. Uh, those are usually pretty bulletproof with a manual transmission. If you're looking for square bodies, I always look for K31 ton trucks. Um, and if you're looking at OBSs, three quarter ton, um, 3,500 one ton trucks, manual transmission, 6.5 diesels are usually pretty good. All right. So you think we need to write actually a truck buyer's guide? I think you do. <laughs> I, uh, I'll tell you, I've, I've always been into cars and where I learned to fabricate and weld was actually on these trucks. So we had little power athlete and then next door we had the shop and the mm-hmm. vampires would show up at five o'clock and we would just go find piece of shit, you know, $1,500, uh, $1,000 trucks that people didn't want, pull them home, change axles, swap, do this and um, just build really some really epic stuff. Final question. And you got your badass new 2021 truck. Yeah. Do you envision similar to your father's experience in like the the market going, hey, I want my dad's truck with all the tech and the computers and the software within these new trucks? 
do you think it's even possible 30 years from now, young Cash Wellborn is looking for the freaking 2021 Duramax? Well, I'll probably still have it. I know you will. Yeah, I know I'll still have it. So I'm about once every 15 years good on a truck. Uh, So I'll probably still have that truck, but I'll still also have a fleet of gas burning internal combustion square bodies available to them. What about the, the, the grindstoner who's got a pretty nice truck now? Should they go out of their way to maintain that mother because it's going to be worse than someday for their, uh, yeah. their kids? Um, I don't think that you should own anything that you don't maintain. Um, like, I'm real weird on that. Like, uh, I bought that brand new truck and like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to go out there and, and I, I know I'm not going to beat on it at first. But like I'm kind of big on uh, and here in Texas, people have ranch trucks for this exact reason. Mm -hmm. Like you need to have something like if you're going to go dump 3000 pounds of rock in it, you're not taking your brand new legally $70,000 fucking Duramax to go do that. So you got to have some piece of shit trucks around. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) I've taken all of our piece of shit trucks, pulled them in the shop, redid them and actually made them much nicer than they need to be to the point where I'm like, man, we got to sell some stuff and get some more piece of shit trucks to drive around. So the M1028 is going. And um, at that point, we'll probably take the profits off of that and reinvest it in some. You'll see something lurking around. You'd be like, well, where'd that come from? Yeah, well, graveyard's growing. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, I do got to figure out something to do with that extended cab. That was a poor purchase because uh, I I was so excited because I'd never seen one. I purchased it and I got home and I thought, this can be great. I'm going to take the kids wheeling in this thing. So I, I, I like we had it. I was driving it around and then all of a sudden... I, I was like, Hey, I, I, uh, I got into it. I had Kate get in and I had the kids get in and they couldn't fit back there. Uh Oh, like the car seat wouldn't fit. Nothing would fit. And I was like, shit. So what do we do? We just ripped it apart. What I should have done is just sold it immediately. But unfortunately I pilfered it for parts, which is, you know, within my scavenger nature. And, um, now she's just kind of sitting there broken and I need to do something with it. If we had more time, I think if I could somehow talk somebody into making us nine days a week, well, what we need is a power athlete racing team. <sighs> that would be epic. Just a power athlete we'll racing get, team, just working nonstop in the shop. I'm then, sure Corey LaJoy. But the, but here, here's the issue. Um, I'm selfish in that I want to fab. I want to weld. I want to burn metal. I want to bend the tubes. I want to do a lot of stuff. So the problem is, is when I've had some full-time people and had DJ work here full-time, all of a sudden, like, you know, a week goes by, we're working here, we're doing podcasts, whatever. And I go up and he's like made huge gaps in the project or, you know, huge progress. And I've been like, oh, you did that without me. And he's like, well, I can't wait for you. You only come in here like one day, one or two days a week. And then the funny part is, is when I would go up there, then all of a sudden Luke would come up there and like my mom trying to like chase me away from my friend's house, <laughs> you know, come in there and just fucking, uh, you know, besiege me and, uh, uh, you know, be angry that I've somehow wronged him by going around fucking around in the shop. But so it's a balancing act. Well, can we get at least more power athlete racing training gear? I think we definitely I, need a that, new power it, athlete racing shirt. My personal favorite logo is the speed is king. Yeah. The power athlete racing logo. Uh-huh. Well, we'll have to talk to Mr. Happenstall on that. Mm-hmm. So, and I know he listens to the premier podcast yeah. and strength and conditioning. So Harry, so if you got questions, uh, not only about training, nutrition, uh, education for training, whatever, but also advice on which trucks to buy and more importantly, something that you have come along, just shoot me a DM. I get hit up at least once or twice a week by somebody who listens to the podcast that knows I'm into trucks that is like, Hey, I'm looking at this truck. What do you think? And Mm. I'll give you a fair assessment. I would always recommend if you are looking for an old truck, but you are not a mechanical person 
or you're not willing to turn some wrenches or you don't have access to uh, a whole shop with people that can turn wrenches like Mr. McQuilkin, um, I would not recommend it. Those trucks need maintenance. I mean, Texas truck as nice as it was. We've rebuilt the pump. We've, uh, we've done aluminum radiator. We've done, uh, we, you know, we deleted the 24 volt, converted it to 12 volt. We uh-huh. fixed go, glow plugs. I mean, we've fixed things as they've come up, uh, to make it much more reliable. And you daily drive the shit out of that thing, which, which is, I, is why it's stayed in good shape. Uh-huh. What people forget is that trucks need to be driven, especially diesel trucks, they need to be started and need to be driven every day. So you can't have a diesel truck that's just sitting around. It just goes to pot. So if you're going to do it, make sure you have a skill set or people around you with a skill set that can fix this stuff. Because some of that 80s technology, especially with those diesels, takes a little bit of nuance. And we're just so lucky to have, you know, DJ's expertise. I mean, DJ daily drove a 6.2 diesel for years and uh, knows, knows enough of them to hate them and is really you know, very talented mechanic and just a really good, just wiring and all that stuff. I mean, so much so he works for Joe Martin on uh, Joe Martin's uh, Iron Resurrection show. Uh-huh. And the Eat the Week logo has been featured. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Well, there was a, a, an episode of Iron Resurrection that actually I starred in with a uh, C, uh, little 60 C10. Little known fact, I was just the Hollywood stunt double for a rich dude going through a big divorce that wasn't interested in having his future ex-wife see him spend $250,000 on a C10 truck on a TV show. So to protect him during his divorce, Joe, who's my neighbor, asked me to step in. And uh, originally I was just supposed to be the stand in just for some some shots. And then and you opened your mouth and then they <laughs> figured out that, uh, you know, I, I got the gift for the gab and, you know, a little bit of articulate, you know. Uh, language. Uh, and next yeah. thing you know, they turned it into a whole episode. And it's funny because people hit me up all the time like, dude, your C10 is sick. And I'm like, it's not my C10. Yeah. Well, you did build that one C10. I did. Yeah. We, we did the Wade's Army C10 that Trey uh-huh. Zepeto bought. So that was a pretty amazing car. We did that in 30 days. But if, uh, if, if I can have five, six days a week to work on something, man, we can hammer some stuff out. Like the, the toughest part about working one day a week at the shop is it almost takes you like an hour or two to get reacclimated. But then once you get in there, you burn it. And so it's just about executing little projects like uh, this weekend, we're going to pull the motor out and I got to pull the body off the frame. I got to go paint everything and start getting that all set up. So and then once I can get the other frame painted, we'll put the motor back in. We'll start going all the final building it all together and then get the uh, interior done. And uh, that thing is going to be pretty amazing. I think it'll be one of the nicest uh, square body uh, crew cabs I've ever seen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's one nicer that I know of, but I think for the way we're going to do this, people are going to be pretty excited by it. Sweet. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I would also suggest you uh, start your own TV show. <laughs> then you'll have some time. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, but we, I, I do have by far, I mean, here at Power Athlete, we have some of the coolest neighbors on the planet. Like we got Joe Martin up the street who, from Iron Resurrection, Jesse James, West Coast Choppers is around the corner. And Jesse's a friend of ours. So it's pretty amazing that like these two pretty high end car builders and there's some really other super interesting people around here. So it's uh it's a good place in the hill country here in Texas uh-huh. to have a skill, to have a skill, especially when it comes to welding and fabricating and weightlifting and weightlifting. There you have it. Asked and answered. I hope we fueled your <laughs> yeah. fire yeah. to to pick up a, a badass truck that you can keep for years to come. And if you got questions, reach out to me at, at John Wellborn. And if you got uh and then I'll, you know, if it looks good, I'll give you the go ahead. Um, if it doesn't, I'll recommend that we find somebody within the network to go out and evaluate it ahead of time. 
So I got a ton of friends who are mechanics, uh, who are real, real savvy dudes all over the country. And if there's ever something that you're looking at, you're a little unsure of, can always have a friend go look at it. So I've paid friends and or asked people to go look at vehicles for me before. And, uh, you know, everything always looks great in the pictures. You talk to the person, no, it's never had any problems. You show up and have somebody look at it. And it's a piece of shit. So, uh, and it just saves it. I mean, I've bought a few things sight unseen and every time I have, I've gotten screwed. So I believe it. Yeah. All right. Power Athlete Nation. You can hit us at 929-464-464. That's 929-ing-ing-0 for the hotline. So, All right. Thank you, Power Athlete Nation. For another episode of the Premier Podcast, the Street Condition, Power Athlete Radio. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!